you hear that, listeners? Do you know what that's the sound of? That's me pouring a can of the black stuff and celebrating my first day of my two weeks holiday. What? Oh, look at that. How creamy it is. Oh, this is like a, a live <laughs> sex chat line. <laughs> oh, do you like that, Venny? Mm. A lovely pint of bottle. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heavy Matters podcast. Not a usual introduction, I won't lie. Um, it's good to be back, and I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, partner in crime, the other love of my life, Venny. Venny, it's been a while. How are you, mate? It has. It has. I've been... Uh... Yeah, I've been good. Do you know what? I just want to put this right out there. Um, the man sitting right opposite me, virtually of course, has been slaving away for the enjoyment of everyone, including myself. And um, he's put out some brilliant interviews of late. Um, I'm going to give them a plug because I think they're so excellent. Obsidian Eye, brilliant interview. And the other interview with Subterranean Masquerade, really interesting insights from uh, the Middle East. So yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to one of my favourite and hopefully your favourite music journalists um, doing some fine work. So great work, mate. And thank you. That's very kind of you, mate. Thank you. And look, it's a team effort. Um, but yeah, we have had some great stuff. We've... Uh, I really enjoyed both those, Subterranean Masquerade and uh, Aphidia and I. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to both the albums as well, because Aphidia and I came out today, July the 16th. It's a monster. Um, and also, last night, I did an interview with uh, One Man Black... Oh, sorry, not Black Metal, <laughs> just a force of habit. One Man uh, Metal <laughs> Project, uh, Eonian, uh, from New York. So that'll be out um, early next week, and... Uh, that's an underground smaller band, so please um, listen to that and support support that band. Um, and also, we're on Twitter and Instagram, uh, heavy underscore matters, and we've also got a website, www.heavymatters.co.uk, where I think there's five reviews at the moment, and from next week on my holidays, I intend to put up another uh, couple, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all going well in Heavy Matters uh, Towers at the moment. So cheers. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Mm. Oh, that is lovely. Sorry. Okay, let's get on to this week's show. We're reviewing albums from At the Gates, Bosque, Panopticon, and Mountain Caller. Four albums because I'm off for two weeks, so we're going to try and jam everything in there. Um, but let's start with the very quick news. First news, Benny. Um, do you remember the band Cryptic Shift? We covered yes. their EP, uh, Visitations. Visitations from Enchadulous. I want to say Enchiladas, but it's not Enchiladas. Enchadulous. Anyway, um, <clears throat> news yesterday they got signed to Metal Blade Records, oh, which great. is fantastic news because we love our UK bands. Um, we love also, our Brian Slagles. We we do, we do, and they are going to be doing a tour as well, playing the album in its entirety. They're doing um, a handful of shows in like York, Cardiff etc etc it's on the website have a look so congratulations to them and hopefully we'll get to chat to them at some point because that album was i think it featured in both our top 20 albums of the year if i'm correct or it definitely featured in one of them and yeah so congrats uh guys second bit of news venny maiden yes. released a new single yes where did this come from so there's a lot of backstory. They were dropping here. Yeah, tell, about me the, tell me the backstory. Oh, so on their re-released tour poster for 2022, they had Eddie as usual. And then in the background, they had W-O-T-W on the wall. And they started dropping like Instagram posts with like, uh, Eddie, why are you cutting those something wearing of the wires, something like that. And it started gathering pace. Okay. And then there's this Bal Shavar's Feast poster that was spotted a download pilot. It's all come together. It's quite a lot to explain, uh, mate, For but I know we're short of time, so I'm not going to go into the details of it all, but it's quite interesting to read online. Anyway, the new song dropped yesterday, uh, Right on the Wall. Have you listened to it? I have not listened to it. Oh. Now, have you, you know me. broken a habit of a lifetime, yeah. mate? Yeah. Now, you know me. I'm not usually one to listen to singles, but it's been such a shit 18 months, two years, and when one of your favourite bands of all times release a song, I just couldn't help but not listen to it. 
and it is fantastic. Is it fantastic? There's been a, there's been a lot of people um, saying there's a bit of a country vibe to it. Ooh. What I really like about it though is Steve Harris's bass sounds like the X Factor days, really okay. prominent in there in there, and that sort of do you know that sound I'm talking about on the X Factor? Yeah, that sound. So, but um, yeah, it's just great to hear some new music from them. Um, I don't know anything more about the album. But is it tell me? Is it like? traditionally made in the bottom their first single is often the opener of the album often a punchy three minute track no quite high in pace so uh, yeah it's a very good question because that <clears throat> when they said they were releasing this song i instantly thought of the speed of light and yeah. uh what was the final frontier they had another real catchy one it was nominated for a grammy i think i can't remember anyway but yeah we we often speak about maiden albums like the first two or three songs they're sort of definitely singles and yes. the crowd pleasers. Whereas this yes. one, and I was expecting that, but it's about six minutes long. Okay. A really good, good um, country style intro to it. Um, and, you know, classic Maiden solos, Bruce Dickinson, A1. Like, it's not what you'd expect from... I would be very surprised if this is the, the album opener, put it that way. Okay, wow. I'm going to have so, to yeah. go. Get excited. Get excited. Um, yes, yeah, so that's the news. That's pretty much what's happening there. There's a lot more going on, but we've got a lot to get through. So should we start? Should we? Let's. Let's batter up. And our first album is by the Swedish band At The Gates. The album's called The Nightmare Being. Recent Century Media, and it's their seventh album, um, which we would think would be not a lot of albums, but considering they took a bit of a hiatus yeah. um, after Slaughter of the Soul, I think it was came back and they've now released this one the nightmare being in i'm gonna go straight for the jugular benny did this album surprise you yes me too Pretty sure yes in a good way yes good. and we'll come on to that it, uh, um in a, in a minute but it completely threw me off guard this album um are you, are you a you're a big fan of at the gates i am i mean i to just give a bit of a backstory really at the gates do you know they are pioneers of the melodic death metal scene the much talked about gothenburg sound there's a number of big bands that came from there we we've reviewed one on the show before in dark tranquility clearly the others are in flames and soil work they pioneered this sound of melodic death metal which has really grown into the mainstream Slipknot clearly were heavily influenced by bands like In Flames. It was, it was all over their sound. Uh, and it's it clearly morphed into some elements of metalcore, which has become very prominent. But yeah, the real forefathers um, are At The Gates and In Flames. At The Gates, for my money... Well, I, I'll put this... I'll fire this back at you. So of the Gothenburg bands who... How would you rank them? Who would yeah. be your favourite? I was going to answer that for if I'd let you finish. They're number one, yeah. clearly. Yeah. At the case, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, Talk Slaughter of the Soul is um, a, not record-breaking, but a genre-breaking. It's a genre-defining genre album. Defining, that's exactly yeah. the word, um, album. And um, obviously they took a hiatus then, or break up, whatever, and came back with that world of reality in 2014. And... Um, you know, people were very excited, and rightly so, because they are 100% the Gothenburg mellow death genre. Yeah. I, I would say In Flames um, are probably the biggest of the bands, um, and in the early days were the archetypal sound. I've always thought that the gates are a bit harsher and edgier uh, and heavier uh, than In Flames. A bit more underground. Yeah, In Flames have taken quite significant changes, um, certainly over the last 15 years or so, to the degree they're ba ba barely recognisable as the same band. So for me, Nat, sitting here now, it, it's all about At The Gates. I wasn't a huge fan, um, but clearly love Slaughter of the Soul. They went on that huge hiatus, and in that time I, I kind of drifted 
apart from them. Like seeing them, I, I don't know if you saw, they were supporting Behemoth on their run. I, yeah, and, they were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Drink on the Night itself, I thought was a brilliant album. And um, yeah, then they headlined the tent at Download Festival on the, on the Friday night. I forgot night. about that, it yeah. Absolutely jammed, and I had such a great time at that too. Oh, so yeah, I'm I'm very much back on board um, with At the Gates, and, and we'll put them at the top of the of the Gothenburg League table for sure. I remember that um, At the Gates at Download. Now you've mentioned it, I think we I can't remember who we saw. It might have been Rob Zombie or something. We dashed over to At the Gates. It was like you said, absolute. I've never seen a tent like that before. Before. Yeah, yeah, and then I think we lost you, and I remember just you coming out after with a massive grin on your face. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I remember having to get my elbows out to get in there because it was it was properly yeah, grand, jammed, so yeah. Yeah, which is great to great. see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the last album, Drink the Night itself, was a brilliant album. Brilliant, good, good album. Um, it was a sort of classic template of At the Gates. Whereas let's talk about this one, The Nightmare of Being. Um, the reason I asked you, did it surprise you? Because this completely took me off guard. It starts out as a classic at the gate song, classic, that vocal style, the indecipher, uh, sorry, the unmistakable vocals and, you know, the, the template about the gates. Yeah, and I was loving it. And then it got to, I think it's track four, Garden of Cyrus and... Oh. They, they put in a saxophone and I thought my Spotify was playing up or something that skipped to Rivers of Nihil. I was like, what is... Are the gates actually doing this? And it really caught me off guard to a point where I was like a bit disgusted at the start. <laughs> I was like, this isn't at the gates. Um, but anyway, I got over that. And then when they... Uh, the Fall of Time is just such a brilliant song. And it starts off with real like adrenaline pumping rallying cry and then it goes into this proggy licious like it's completely left field for what at the gates do and at the, again i was like what is going on here the more i listen to it that fall of time it fall in time is going to be very high up on my list of songs of the year yeah i i mean you've covered it all really well mate i i think yeah, you you get lulled at the start to thinking, all oh, right, this is another at the gates. You know where you are. They've got that rip rollicking, almost death and roll, which is quite classic of the Swedish death metal bands. You talk of bands of like entombed, um, and that kind of rollicking, kind of runaway train that's just about to rattle off the tracks. You've got Thomas Lindbergh's vocal, which is that. Do you know it's not for everyone that vocal? Um, it's basically been the same over the years it's that kind of raspy scratchy quite high pitched death metal yelp really um so so you you get lulled into thinking you know what's coming but like you say the midsection of this album is monolithic like garden of cyrus the progginess involved in that is incredible i was a bit negative last week when we talked about um fractal universe and i said you know sax solos are clearly like the flavor of the month and everyone's chucking them in but i actually think this this was brilliant in this track i think it worked so much better in this context the drumming i mean i think a special shout to the drumming of adrian Arnaldson. um you know he's a legend of the scene played in all the different bands cradle of filth um paradise lost loads of bands um so, and I think he does an incredible job on this album, but in particular this track. Why do you think the sax works better for At The Gates than Fractal Universe? Because is it because of the melodic death compared to the more tech death tech of death. Fractal Universe? For me, um, it's really... This song is really quite proggy um, and it slows right down. And I just think the smooth sax goes better in it whereas i i mean i may be being a bit harsh but in fractal universe it just felt like the the sax era is just a bit shoehorned into that track and it didn't okay. really fit so well um just oh, that, that, really. that, that's fair that's a very good uh, response well batted sir batted that <laughs> one off <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's it's such a it's actually way better than I thought it would be this album because yeah. and we always talk about bands progressing and at the gates are like going from um at war reality to drink for the night itself was very at the gates so to say mm-hmm. um but they really have took a massive progression on this album and me being a big prog fan obviously this ticks my boxes so I, i'm delighted with that yeah i think we've talked about the show before death metal is a sterile genre there's no getting away from that fact and you get these big death metal bands do you know big in the context of death metal we've talked about cannibal corpse cannibal corpse however many teams of albums they've got they do stick with the formula and it would be easy for at the gates to do the same do you know to rattle off albums that sound the same as 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 the last couple but i you have to take your your trucker cap off to Thomas Lindbergh <laughs> and the boys uh, for what they've done with this. Because like you say, it's really progressive, really different. I, you picked on the fall of time. I love the grandos- grandiosity of that. And there's echoes of behemoth in that kind of, the big, the big kind of division bell tones and everything else. I, I just think it's, um, yeah, really good, really good. Is it time for Cannibal Corpse to insert sax into their songs? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so, mate. <laughs> uh, no, look, it, it's a great album. Um, uh, I'll go first, Benny. I'm giving this an eight. Good man. Uh, it's, like I said, excellent album. The only thing I will say about it... Well, no, actually, uh, it's hard to be very negative about it, really. Yeah. Um, it's not really... The, the normal music I'd go for. You know, I yeah. wouldn't naturally put on At The Gates every so often compared to other genres, but no, it's a really good album and I really, I'm really i really looking forward to hopefully seeing these songs live. Yes. Me too. I mean, I'd love to see them live again. I've got a couple of little questions to hit you up before I hit up my rating. 45 minutes, how do you feel about the length of the album? 45 minutes of melodic death metal would probably yeah. be too much for me. Agree. The fact that they've added the prog elements in, and I'm a big prog metal fan, perfect. Yeah, I yeah, essentially what I, I feel entirely. I I mean I do, I do wonder if they could have trimmed a little bit of fat off, and if this was 35 minutes of this really varied and interesting music, I think it it could have been even better. In particular, I'm talking about the start and the end of the album. I think that midsection, like you highlighted is the real piece de resistance at the end uh, at the start and at the end it is kind of at the gates as you'd expect it um but yeah i would agree 45 minutes is too long for a death metal album but here the, the variety keeps us going um yeah i mean i've got eight out of ten as well mate um, oh nice I, i'm really I was really pleased with this. I was really looking forward to hearing what they came up with next, having really liked last two albums uh, as well as their classics. And um, yeah, I was blown away by the progression of it. So yeah, good job, lads. Well played. That was At The Gates Nightmare of Being. It's out now on Century Media. And we move on to our next review, which is by Bosk, B-O-S-S-K, and the album's called Migration. It's their second album. Um, these lads are from Kent, not the other thing you're thinking of. Kent in London, or not in London, just uh, Tunbridge Wells, perhaps. Anyway, uh, I'm uh, too many beginners. Um, we can edit that bit out. No. Uh, yes. So, Bosk Benny, you brought this one to the table, um, and when I listen to it, I can see why you brought this to the table. It is a, a Venny special. <laughs> they they had an album before called Aura Noir. Audio Noir. Sorry, Audio Noir. And I think I'm getting confused with the band Aura Noir. Am I? Might have been. Yeah. I've okay. never heard of the band Aura Noir, but yeah. Okay. Audio Noir was the last one. Right. Um, so, over to you, Venny. Why, why this album? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, so to put a label on it, Bosk are instrumental. Um, there is some vocals on on this album, but generally um, post rock, post metal, um, instrumental, 
riff-orientated, heavy um, influences come from cult bands like Cult Luna, and I guess we'll naturally talk about that, um, given that Johannes it features on this album. Um, I've got great memories from, I mean, textbook, but great memories from Art Tangent, watching Bosque. Um, they brought this really big, um, really big production to Art Tangent, which isn't typical at that festival, but they had this this big um, multimedia screen behind them when they're playing with all these kind of psychedelic images and they just pummeled you into submission in that show. The sun was out. It was it was a great show. The other thing that I wanted to say is um, I've, I've listened to a couple of other podcasts with um, one of the guys from Boss called Tom Baglian. Um, he's also a tour manager um, and he's on, on um, the Damnation podcast talking about his tour managing side of things. And he seems just a really good guy as well. He seems like a straight up bloke. So um, yeah, I was, I was keen to uh, bring it in. And here we are. And here we sit. I had to turn this off after the first listen, after the first track, because it annoyed me listening to the lead-in. Um, now, in the album's defence, I didn't have my headphones on. It was one of those where I had the speakers on and I was working and this is an album you really need to drink it in. So, uh, yeah, on the first album I turned it off, it was just, it took too long to get to anything with that background background noise, I suppose. It just took too long and I, I was getting annoyed, so I turned it off. Um, second time, yes, I got into it and... As soon as the second track came in with those Cult of Luna vibes, I was like, yes, like, <laughs> sign me up. They will naturally be compared to Cult of Luna because they are very much like Cult of Luna. But as we always say, a UK band putting out stuff like this is absolutely brilliant. The album, when you listen to it in its entirety, is bookended by the first and end track, which are those instrumental... Uh, I don't want to call them Ming tracks. <laughs> no, I but... mean that would be harsh. I think. I, I mean they're very, they're very kind of um, cinematic, um, big lead-in, typical in the genre, really, of these kind of slow builds, um, kind of quasi-industrial sounds, a few electronic clicks, etc. So, yeah, but uh, I mean, again, very typical of the genre. Yeah, and. When you listen to the album in its entirety, like I said, you've got the opening track and the closing track bookended between the this massive mammoth <clears throat> wall of sound. I love the the cover and listening to it. I, I It's so relatable. There's some albums where you can just look at a cover and, you know, just it, it, you absorb the music more, I think is what I'm saying. And I think that's something that's really missing these days in music because of the streaming that's going on. I mean, Benny, you and I, and a lot of our mates in our era would have bought CDs. That's the only way you could get your hands on music. And, you know, for example, God Hates Us All, you'd be you'd, you'd be at home listening to it and looking at the the, the, the the album cover and flicking through notes and stuff. You didn't see that anymore. But I have to admit, when I, when I saw the cover of this album, Migration, there was just something very appealing about it and sort of sucked me in while I was listening to the music, if that makes sense. Mate, it makes so much sense. And I, I think it's so important and I, I similarly love it when you get an album where it's the whole package and the whole feel of an album, the artwork, and it all creates a mood or an aura about it. And I, and I think you're spot on with this and not to kind of bang on about Cult Luna too much, but for me, it's very similar with Vertical, the Cult of Luna album, and the, the, the front cover on that, and the, the, the harsh, futuristic cityscape that it kind of creates is so on point with the music. And, and this is similar in, in that whole environment that it kind of creates. And um, yeah, you, you're dead on. And all of that kind of cinematic sound, the, the background noises, it all contributes to that feel of the record. 100%. And the production as well is bang on point. It, I'm yeah. not sure who produced it, but it's um, it's it's really nailed on, you know, with how rich it sounds. 
not polished, but it also has that bit of rawness to it at times, but polished at the same time. If I'm probably not making myself very well. No, I, I, I've got similar stuff written in my notes that for tracks like Kivo and Lyra, which for me are more in keeping with Audio Noir, so that's that would be their stock sound. And I, and I think um, the tracks like Menahir and um, HTV3, which feature the guest vocalists, are a bit different for them. But those tracks, you have that really warm kind of bass tone, but some of the guitar riffs are quite, can be quite harsh and abrasive. And, the, and um, it, you have that balance of crushingly heavy but also quite mel melodic at the same time. And yeah, I I think on Lyra in particular, it's a nine minute bastard song, but it's got that beautiful isolated guitar intro and then some synth at the strings. It's got the tremolo guitars, that slow build. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the heaviness just bubbling under and just that whole kind of cinematic soundtrack feel to it. We... We we bang on a lot about British bands because let's be honest, the states has a lot more people and a lot more bands. But the the British scene at the moment is really incredible. Like you you mentioned riffs there, and you know it got me thinking like Conjurer for example, just banging out riffs for fun, Svalbard, all these British bands, and it's just brilliant for and uh, look again. Like, this is the last time I mentioned Cult of Luna. But, I mean, Cult of Luna are clearly the best in this field. Well, sorry, in my opinion, you could probably argue differently. You know more of the scene. But for Bosk to be challenging them on on their level and come from the UK, it's just, it's just a great moment for the UK scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, Johannes Person from Cult of Luna features on this album. It's clearly a big influence on the band. I think that that track is brilliant. Um, it wouldn't be out of place on a Cult Luna album in terms of its sound, but moreover its quality. And that in itself is is a bigger testament. I really what for me that wasn't too different. But what I found really exciting is when Josh from Palm Reader featured on HTV3, and I felt that was really kind of memorable in terms of the riff it's a bit faster paced but very different to palm reader so that that interested me a lot more so yeah i really i really like this album in terms it's it, it did have the, the guest vocal spots did add some variety to what is already a, an interesting instrumental post-rock post-metal album hopefully because my understanding is the, there was a big gap between or sorry or audio is it audio noir yes sorry there is definitely a black metal band called aura noir that's why i'm getting confused sorry but anyway between the first album and the second album, there was a massive gap and i think yeah. they did their own things but i hope they continue now on this vein of form and hopefully we get to see them uh gracing the stage stages somewhere because i'd say from your description of the the production they had at arc tangent i'm very excited about seeing this live Again, not, well, to be honest, I'm excited about seeing anything live at the moment. <laughs> Dolly Parton would be a treat at this rate. But no, uh, again, look, I'd say that for an English band, British band, to be producing something of this standard is absolutely brilliant. So well done, Bosk. Yes, um, I'll hit, hit mine up first. Um, eight out of ten for me. Another great out of ten. Another good album for me. I prefer it to the last album. I like the variety. I like the the light and the shade this album offers, and I like the overall feel of it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. It's uh, that's an eight as well. It's wow. hard to argue. Hard to argue. That's two two agreements we've had. It's not like us. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, look, it's hard to argue. It's it's a brilliant album. Well played, lads. Bosk, migration. Go listen to it now. Right. And on to something <clears throat> by a band called Panopticon. And the album's called And Again Into Light. And this is funny that Venny is pushing this one-man black metal project on the show because usually it's the other way around. So, Venny, my question to you is why? Why have you decided to push this on me? Well, Panop 
Panopticon I've liked for a while now and um, you know me, um, I have a funny relationship with black metal. I, I kind of love it and hate it all at the same time and some black metal just hits me in the right spot and I just absolutely love it. And usually there has to be something that goes along with it, some other element that gets that gets smelted into the melting pot. Um, and we've talked on the on the show about bands that I love, like Winter Fire. They have this old English folk aspect that's that's melted into to the music. We talked about about bands like Unrequited, who have this grandiose Canadian mountain range, which that adds the atmosphere. We've talked about, you know, a whole host of, of other bands like Alcest and, and Death Heaven, which bring in the, the, the kind of black gaze element. So often the stuff that I really like has these other elements drawn in. And, you know, we are starting to get saturation point with these other elements, especially with the folkier side of it, I think especially with the black gaze side of it. Whereas Panopticon for me was something really different, original, and to describe the sound is one man black metal project, as, as you described from Kentucky, USA. But what it brings into it is this Americana country instrumentation in particular. He has the, um, he uses the banjo, the slide guitar, um, and it just brings a whole new flavour to the music um, that makes it really atmospheric, really immersive and uh, as you always laugh uh, about, perfect nighttime listening. <laughs> Except the production's too good for a black metal project. <laughs> That's my gripe. Now, I had a real love-hate with this album. Okay. And I'll try and explain why. Now, for listeners out there, you'll know my love of black metal and especially one man black metal projects. <laughs> At times, the one thing the songs definitely sometimes are too long for a starting point. The album is fairly lengthy. There is a yes. lot to take in. You will not, you will not get a good grasp of this album on one listen. This will take you. I mean, I've listened to it maybe six times now, and I still think the more I'd listen to it, the more I'd find out of it. You need to give it your undivided attention, that's for sure. Like you said, you've got the Americana, country. On the positive side, what he does really well is he blends the two styles together so well that you could almost be listening to two separate tracks when it's actually the same one. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of mellow passages on here, like you said, with the country, banjos, etc., etc., and then you'll move into a passage of what I call textbook black metal mm -hmm. with, you know, he sort of leads you down a garden path, sucks you with sort of like, this is going to be a 12 minute, you know, mellow track. But then, you know, there's the, the harsh vocals, the textbook black metal vocals, the pounding drums, but then it's, but then like brings in strings, these wonderful strings over the top. And it plays with my, metal emotions if that's probably a right way of saying it that i'm a big fan of atmospheric uh music at times but i just can't get my head around this this album do and i mean to me there are definite of the things we've talked about on here definite echoes of like unrequited or unrequited who do do similar things they do have that powerful black metal combined with the powerful symphonic and orchestrated parts to it so did that not i mean it does it's surely not such a wild leap or alien concept for you I, I see where you're coming from but when you compare it to unrequited it is an atmospheric album overall the start of this panopticon album with that americana feel track it reminds me of a computer game sort of loading screen in the background like this music <laughs> um yeah it's it's really like marmite for me this album like sometimes i'll really love it and other times it will annoy me to the extent and i just don't know whether i'm 
given it the attention, full attention it deserves. I think, I think actually to your point, Rennie, it might be best for me to put this on a bedtime yeah. to get the full experience. <laughs> I mean, I agree. At one hour eleven minutes for any form of extreme music, that is too long. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. Um, and I'd agree wholeheartedly. For me, in my preferred listening setting, a long album doesn't matter so much, do you know, because I'm essentially listening to it in the, in the middle of the night, do you know, so it doesn't, the length isn't such a problem for me. But I, what I love about the album is the ebb and flow of it. And you do have these super melodic, beautiful, wistful kind of, melodic strings and lap steel banjo you know really conjuring up you just imagine this vast north american landscape of vast plains and mountains and flowing rivers and snow and you know all sorts as well as it but it also has the bite of the black metal and the bite is definitely sharp enough you know it is heavy this album in places it's really the black metal for me and, and this i guess the question to throw back at you as the resident bm expert just putting aside those other elements for a moment just talking about the pure white hot black metal how would you rate that in terms of quality and sound production it's great it's great it, performance yeah i like i said when the when the when the black metal comes in, it has that classic black metal template, and there's no denying that it not not to the extent of Leviathan or Zaxter or Axter, or however you pronounce mm-hmm. it, that, but it does have that sort of edginess to it, and I think the way the songs are composed, I think the vo- vocally is absolutely brilliant, really of that you know the classic filthy growly black metal the, the the guitars are harsh the classic tremolo picking fast pace the drums the double bass at times is absolutely luscious and really well brought up in the mix as well it's yeah, not it's it, sorry go on. no no just to that exact point i i think the drumming it's always hard isn't it i guess with one man black metal projects isn't it because clearly he's doing everything but I particularly wanted to say the drumming, I felt was really good, interesting black metal drumming, in particular on Snowless Winter. I, you've got that rolling drum and it slows into that lovely, quite slow double bass kick um, with the synth backing. So yeah, I just wanted to pick up on that point before you moved on. No, and I've a Snowless Winter is this, I've put here, it encapsulates that black metal for me. In there, in that format. Now, look on the positive side as well. That there's lovely contrast as well between the black metal and the how would how would you describe it? The quieter parts, the mellow parts. There is a really nice contrast. I mean, take Embers of Dawn, for example, which I think is the track after. That has a really nice uh, contrast between the two. The folk elements to it like you said really makes you feel you know you could be sat in a log cabin somewhere and someone next to you just playing the banjo and it really the atmospherically is a great album and you can feel like you're there just for me and i'm probably being unfair but it just there was too much going on for me at the time yeah i I mean there is an awful lot going on here i mean just I just wanted to highlight, for me, my my standout favourite BM song that I've heard this year, track two, Dead Looms. I, it's such a well-crafted song. Um, it's got that kind of quite Celtic, um, folky flavour to it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's written about mental health, uh, I think proceeds from the track against a mental health charity. He, Austin, um, who is the guy behind the music, I just wanted to read out um, something that I saw on the, the Bandcamp, this quote regarding the album, but probably a lot about that track. He says, 
to those I have let down or disappointed in my 37 years on this earth, please accept this work as my recognition of a need to change, grow and atone for failures. I'm sorry I've let you down and I strive to continue to become a better man each and every day I have left on this earth. I just thought, wow. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty hard hitting, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just find that track. I love the balance. Sometimes I think you're right that the balance isn't always perfectly achieved, but I just love the balance between the melodic and the harsh on this, the orchestration. Um, the crescendos so I just think it's an incredible track I mean now you've read that to me it's sort of you've put a bit of perspective behind the album I can sort of see where he's going with this uh yeah I mean I'm not going to change my mind overnight on this but I am gonna 100% make it more of an effort to listen to it and try and understand it I'm giving it a seven and you probably think from my comments, it would be lower. This is a very good album. It's a good black metal, one-man black metal project. I'm giving it a seven because I think I'm going to enjoy it a lot more after a few more listens. So it's sort of a preemptive seven. And I'd love it to be higher because, you know, me and uh, black metal, just at this time, I, I don't know whether it was the wrong time for this album to come out for me, perhaps. The height of summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the only other thing I wanted to say, I mean, I do feel some some echoes of Winter Fireleth. When we reviewed the last album, Reckoning Dawn, on the show by Winter Fire, and the album before that was The Hallows of Herdom, um, which was this really kind of weird, kind of melodic, folk album that they released with no harsh which I loved which I really loved and then I felt about Reckoning Dawn that it came out and it did have those melodic passages it did have the black metal passages and I felt maybe that equilibrium wasn't quite right and I think that's probably true to say about this album as well they Panopticon have got some brilliant albums in their back catalogue if you're going back then Autumn Eternal is brilliant. Kentucky is brilliant. I've listened to all of those albums late at night. The Rose to the North as well. And for me, those have maybe slight, they, if you had the two dials, they maybe dialed up slightly more on those melodic and country infused passages and maybe a bit less on the black metal. Perfect late night listening. This one is probably dialed up a bit more in terms of black metal, similarly to that last Winter Fire Left album. Look, I, I brought this in. I really like it. I've given it an 8 out of 10 as well. Oh, it's three in a row from you. I know. I've I never mean, heard, This is unheard of. I mean, to be fair, these are a lot of my picks. So I'd hope, I'd, I'd hope not well, to... Actually, all, all three of them are your picks, yeah? Yeah. I'd hope not to bring in too many albums and give them a good kicking. But yeah, I I really wanted to talk about Panopticon on the show because I've been a fan for a while and... Um, it's nice to talk about it. Nice and I'm right in saying you've recently uh, bought some merch? Oh, I just um, just uh, bought the digital album. Oh, very good, mate. Bandcamp just well done. It a little bit. Which is a good good point to make, Benny, that you should be supporting these bands by Bandcamp, by merch, things like that. So, yeah, good good, good work, mate. We like that. Uh, that was Panopticon, oh, Panopticon and the album as... Jesus Christ. Do, do you know what, uh, just as a little aside for you, I know time's ticking, but do you know what Panopticon is? It's quite interesting. Am I right in saying it's something to do with the... No, uh, I may be getting confused someone else. Go on, you fire ahead. So it's been, it was designed by the philosopher and my namesake, Jeremy Bentham, who was like a, a utilitarian philosopher. And he basically designed a prison and it's this prison that is, is round. So all the cells are arranged in a round circle. And in the middle of the circle, there is a watchtower, which um, in this watchtower has one guardian who can, who can see out, but the prisoners can't see in. So all the prisoners at any one time think they could be being watched. And so they're kind of behaving. 
or not trying to escape or anything else. Like it's actually just being run by one guard who's clearly not watching everyone all at the same time. But because they don't know they're being watched, they all kind of behave. And it clearly has got echoes of like Big Brother and everything else that's happening. So yeah, just a little There's interesting aside. Benny's fact of the day on Heavy Matters. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to bring out his own podcast, I'd say, on, <laughs> on historical events. Prisoners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On black metal band names and their meanings. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll try that again. The out al- the the artist is Panopticon, and the album is and again into the light. Got through that one. Right, we're on to the final final hurdle now, and this is by another British band uh, called Mountain Caller. The album is called Chronicle Prologue. Now, they this is the follow up to their debut album. Chronicle One, The Truth Seeker. They are a three-piece band from London, and they are progressive metal instrumental band. I brought this in, Benny. You did. I got I got this uh, as a a mail from uh, Simon Glacken from For the Lost PR, and he was saying, "Oh, I think you might like this." And I threw it on as like, "I know who'd like this." <laughs> well, I know. I, to... <laughs> I, I know exactly who like this. I was a little bit surprised when you uh, stuck it on, and I was not complaining in the slightest. But yeah, I was. Uh, I was like, oh, Joey's put this on. Okay, good. So, have you ever heard of this band before? So I have. I've never. So let me clarify. I've heard of the band, but I've never listened to the band. Right. And the reason I've heard of them is. Um, my trusted kind of post-metal source, post-rock, post-metal source, Renfrey Deadman um, was really raving about their debut um, last year, but I never actually got to the stage of listening to it. So this this is my first actual listening. Same. And I put the obviously the EP on first, uh, Prologue. Uh, it's only three tracks. Again, they're, lo- they're longies. But what I will say, this is bloody fantastic it is so good like this could be my finding of the year this band they're so good i was listening to it and i don't i try not to compare people but i think it's important that when people are listening to this that they sort of have something to go on they have elements of tool in there they have mastodon they have post rock this is the whole package and it's a three piece band and the last band that made an impact this big as a three piece to me was Imperial Triumphant so kudos to Mountain Caller for putting out, well, this is an EP I'd be very surprised if this is not my EP of the year. Okay right, well I'm, I mean I'm delighted to hear it, yeah I mean this was my first exposure and yeah I think you you touched on a few of the cornerstones of their sound and um, I mean, it is instrumental post-rock broadly, but um, yeah, I got definite um, that warm fuzz of your Mastodons and your Red Fangs and particularly of Ingenaut and very progressive. I, th- I was extremely impressed at, with the bass work on this. It, it seems like, I mean, I don't know a lot about the band, but I imagine the bassist has a strong kind of stamp on the band maybe they're the, the main songwriter i don't know but it was very bass heavy i was impressed a lot with the drumming i really like the little drum fills that just you know instrumental music it clearly doesn't have the vocals to carry it so you are looking for intricacies in the instrumentation and for me the drums just the the bass provided the melody the riffs um and the drums just were just that nice little free song of, uh, yeah, just keeping you interested, really. So the band, are Claire is on guitar, L is on bass, and Max is on drums. And I had to Google uh, an image of them, and I was disgusted because they must be maybe ten, <laughs> 10 years younger than us. Uh, disgusted the fact that they, they've got youth on their side but what I love about this and you make a very good point there about the vocals 
some of the time we talk about vocals as an extra instrument. You know, some bands would use it sparingly and add it as an extra instrument. But you make a very good point that when you don't have vocals on it, you have to have something else that captures the listener. And they really do on this album, uh, EP even. They show off so much of their talent throughout this whole album. They start slow, some of the tracks very mellow, you know, plodding along, and then they'll explode into these unbelievable, again, talking about riffs, great riffs from this band, riff after riff, and the tightness of them, that would they need vocals on top of this? I don't think so at all. I don't know how they'd fit on this. No. No, I I mean, just track by track. I, I, I think, for me, the second track is a more kind of riff-based track compared to the first track. But that they've almost got this kind of classic rock guitar lead that is really distinctive. It really... And it really kind of comes to the fore and and as i say that is the vocal line if that makes sense that Mm. really clean guitar riff uh lead in there um and then they've got this really brilliant break in that riff oh just so good that isn't it oh it's about three and a half minutes in and it just breaks everything down it's it's so good yeah and just lastly on the last track um again a, a really big compliment coming from me maybe not so much from your good self but um, <laughs> the bass on the last track stripped of all purpose really reminds me of gish era smashing pumpkins which as i say is a is a huge compliment coming from me and then they've got these really victorious kind of power chords that come in and they're really kind of lifting so yeah warm weather's here this is perfect music for the warm weather it's so i mean panopticon you can just imagine the snow melting into the rivers this is perfect warm weather music this came out uh i think was it today it came out recently anyway but it sort of reminds me we spoke at the beginning of the show of cryptic shift when this came out and it had that sort of excitement to it and i know obviously uh, Mountain Caller, their album was released in 2020, which was mm-hmm. last year. Oh, geez, only a year ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but finding a new band is so exciting, isn't it? And when yeah, they're yeah. putting out material like this, have you listened to the album? I have, but not enough. So I've listened yeah, to okay. the And do you know, actually, I would say, um, so I, j- just from reading about, it sounded like the CP was clearly recorded in the same sessions as the. Um, as the album from last year, I think even preceded or was written before the album yeah. was actually written and recorded. So for me, actually, I, I quite liked listening to this first and just having yes. a three track EP is a bit short a taster, a little yes. starter. And now that album for me, I'm really looking forward to getting tucked into the main course. 100%. Obviously, I'd be tucking into a big steak, and you'd probably have like a what mushroom filled with something. Is it a lettuce or? Something? I don't know, a bit of lettuce, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just under the grill. Not too long where you burn the lettuce. No, but absolutely, you're hundred percent right. I did exactly the same. This was such a it whetted my appetite so much, and then when I went on to the next album, and it's like when we followed like Conjurer and their debut EP I, and then they moved to Maya. And we're now in that moment where we're following a band develop, looking forward to the next album. But I'm like you, delighted that we got the EP now and are now being able to revisit with their album, which was before this. Uh, And I would say, like, maybe less so, but possibly with me, but maybe more so with you, that if you were just greeted with an hour-long album of this, you might be a bit like, oh, I'm not sure this is for me, you know, but... By having the EP, you you become invested now, and then you're very willing to invest again in an hour of your time for an album. Do you know, does that make sense? 100%. For this style of music. Oh, absolutely. And I I can't wait to listen to. I've listened to this EP. I don't know, probably double digits at this point. The album I've listened to maybe twice, I think. But I can't wait now to go back in and listen to the album with the headphones on and really, you know, soak everything up. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I was just going to jump in. 
interestingly, like you would have thought this kind of instrumental music would be perfect late night listening for me, bedtime, but it actually isn't. And I've tried it and because I think it's quite upbeat, it's quite posy, it's quite upbeat. And there's so many little things that kind of stand out and catch your ear. It isn't actually good late night music and it's actually better daytime music. And probably I can imagine um, driving somewhere in the car with your, your windows rolled down or sunbathing next to the pool with some nice headphones on. That is the time for it. That'll be me tomorrow, mate. I'll be by yeah. the sea with my speedos on, just with Co- the head. coconut oil. With <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the kids probably chucking sand at me while I'm trying <laughs> to have a nice time. Me, me thinking, yes, two weeks off, I get to listen to all this music like you said. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Extra, extra childcare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But funny you should say that this isn't bedtime music. Yeah, black metal is. It's, it boggles the mind sometimes. But I really, I haven't been this excited about a new band for a long time. Oh, I'm, 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 and uh, Simon, if you're listening, let's hook up an interview with uh, Mountain Caller, if you don't mind. Drop us a mail. You know where we're at. But yeah, what a, I mean, we don't rate EPs, but this is a really, really good EP from very talented individuals and collectively. Yeah, and I'd say the EP of the year is going to be a hot contest this year. It may be really actually a hotter contest than the album of the year for me. Like, I mean, it depends if you're count, counting Card to Sheb as an EP and if you're counting it as this year. But anyway, no, I don't even want to look at your face right now. But well, yeah, you've also, just putting you've it also, out there. You've also got Cult of Luna EP. Yeah, I there's, know. There's uh, lots, yeah, lots to think of, but it's it's been another. It was a very slow start to the year, wasn't it, music wise? Yeah, it was. A I think it's been quite an interesting year for me. There's not been when I'm looking at my albums of the year as they stand, not many big names on there, and that that isn't a bad thing. No, because I have had a lot of underground bands as well who have really really brought out some incredible albums so i'm it's going to be a tough year again for sure that's what we're here for we're here to make those tough decisions so listen that was um that that album's mountain caller chronicle prologue go check it out another british band who are going to take the metal world by storm so that's the end of the show we're off for two weeks now or three weeks is it you're off as well i've been two weeks yes mate two weeks okay we haven't decided what we're going to cover but I'm going to go away, I'm going to write a few reviews, and then when we come back, there's a few more interviews lined up, Venny, for ourselves. We won't spoil it just yet, but in the meantime, I hope everyone has a lovely break in this sun. Venny, I hope you get to enjoy and relax a little bit before your annual leave starts, and... Relax we'll see. work before my annual leave starts. Yeah, well, a little bit of a break in. <laughs> but that's actually what will need to happen. <laughs> I'll send you some pictures of me just lubing up the coconut oil oh. tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe put, put some on the uh, Heavy Matters website as a teaser. Put some teaser. on uh, Heavy Matters Instagram. That's the yeah. place for them. What, what is it they do? Um, what's that? Uh, OnlyFans. <laughs> doing heavy matters yeah we've got facebook now so that's just a natural progression yeah yeah oh we're on facebook as well sorry good shout oh heavy yeah matters. i thought we mentioned that no no sorry we've got the whole shebang now website facebook twitter instagram i'll set up only fans tomorrow only what fans, else do we need to be- cameo we'll say whatever you want competitive rates to Trevor Sternad <laughs> from Black Hour. Yeah. Oh, actually, did you hear Dave Mustaine is charging about $180 for a cameo? Really? Oh, that's... Guy, uh... To our listeners, I will cut that by $110 for you for a birthday message. There we go. $110, sorry, no. $170, I meant. I'll do it for $10. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, $70. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a bit like, all right, mate. Like, Arrogant, yeah. He's going to be queuing up for a $70 cameo with Jerry from Heavy Matters. I was a bit like, <laughs> didn't yeah, want to pull me up on it. But, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, mate. Um, so, yeah, look, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the website. Go check us out. Leave a little comment if you like, or don't, whatever, it's up to you. But we'll see you in a few weeks' time. Thank you, as always, for joining us and listening. We hope you had a blast. I'm sure we definitely had some fun tonight. And we'll see you on the next show. Peace out.